0: Hi everybody and welcome to part four in The Great Test. I'm really excited about all the resources I do, but this one is quite a defining one because it really takes it to the core or the root issue of things. When we start looking at what is really within our heart, who or what is it we truly love, and then truly allow God to do what God wants to do within us so we're able to come into the fullness of life. So this is the great test part four. And we're going to look at great faith. And as we have been talking about, Abraham was the father of faith, but not just any kind of faith. Abraham had a great faith that was able to see into the unseen. And we see this also operating Uh, In the New Testament with the uh, Syrophoenician woman and the Roman centurion where Jesus acknowledges their great faith, their great conviction of what is in the unseen and then the ability to lay hold of it. And so that's what we want to look at in part four is great faith. Um, And so let's take a look at that now. Uh, Great faith is a faith that sees and knows of a reality that already is great faith knows and sees of a reality that already is because we know everything is finished and everything is written so it sees it before it's manifested into the natural so it's there someone with great faith lays hold of it into the unseen scene realm and brings it from the unseen scene into the scene there's a manifestation a making real of what is in the unseen coming into the scene this is what great faith is and we are called to live by great faith in jesus christ this is the divine invitation that you and i have been given and so we're going to look at this and we see In verse 4, the reality of natural sight of Abraham. And then in verse 5, we get to see the reality of spiritual sight. So verse 4 says this On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. So he saw in the natural the place or the mountain where God had been speaking to him about. Now we're about to transition into the spiritual scene. Genesis 22, 5, the very next verse. Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there to that place and we will worship and return to you. We are going to go over there and worship and then return to you. Now, in part two, we look." At, Abraham was instructed by God to sacrifice his son. So God gave Abraham the instruction to sacrifice Isaac on the altar as a burnt offering. This is worship unto God. Our spiritual act of worship is the laying down of our lives. It's not singing songs. It's the laying down of an old life to lay hold of a brand new resurrected life. That's how you come into the new life. You lose the old life. You don't give it, you lose it. And you lay hold of a brand new existence in Jesus Christ. And so we know, and Abraham is saying, I'm going to offer my son, but then me and my son are coming back. Now, that's a bit of an oxymoron. He's going to offer his son as a burnt offering, but then they're coming back. Powerful stuff because Abraham had an absolute assurance and a hope and a conviction of knowing things that are in God. So the words being, and we, we will worship and return to you. Abraham knows because of his great faith, that this will not end in his son's death. He knows that Isaac and himself will come back and he states this very fact. Before he has even arrived at the place that he saw in the distance, he speaks words which are spirit and life just like the Christ does in an absolute alignment to God's spiritual kingdom. I mean, this is so exciting that you and I can live In this future realm now and speak about it, live in it and call it out for others to enter into. We get to see Abraham's great faith being exercised like a muscle in verse 8 within the context of verses 6 and 7. Where Isaac asks his father a very powerful question. And so the question is this, hey dad, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I mean, what a question of your Isaac. You've got no idea what's going on, but your dad does because your dad is a man of faith. And he's saying, hey, let's go over there. We're going to offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. Isaac just doesn't know it's going to be him, but Abraham does. So he asks the question, hey, dad, where is the lamb? Isaac is the one carrying the wood in which he will be laid in which the fire will be started with him being the sacrifice. And as I said, he has no idea that God has instructed his father to offer him as the burnt offering. Isaac goes with his father, trusting in his father 100%. And this is something that we all need to do when we don't have this great faith, the kind of faith that Abraham carried. And other people we see in the scriptures carry. Because of Abraham's great faith, we get to see in verse 8 his response to his son's question of where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Wow, Isaac is trusting in the words of his father. But I love the fact that God will provide for himself. God will make the way possible for what God instructs. The synergies between this and the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, Jesus himself, are mind-blowing. And we know that in the future, God would provide his one and only son to redeem us from uh, the iniquity and the sin that is in us that would be put on him. And we see here Abraham, knowing the father will provide a lamb for this offering. It is Abraham's love for God and his great faith in God, which empowers his obedience to the Lord's instructions regarding Isaac. Let me say that again. It's the love that Abraham has in his heart for God and his faith in God that empowers this obedience to the Lord's instructions regarding his son. Now, you've got to remember that Isaac is the promised child. Abraham has been waiting 25 years and he's not one or two years old. Isaac is about 13 or 14. And so this is the promised son that Abraham has cherished in his heart all this time. And God says, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering unto myself. Powerful, powerful stuff. Abraham had the kind of faith which the scriptures speak of. And Abraham had the assurance of what he hoped for and the conviction within him of things unseen. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is the kind of faith that trumps our need to trust because it sees what already is. Let me say that again. This is great faith. It is a kind of faith that trumps our need to trust because it sees what already is. This is why faith and trust are not the same thing. Trust is what you need when you don't have great faith to see what already is. Let me state that again. Trust is what you need when you don't yet have this great faith to see what already is. When we see what already is in God, we lay hold of it and live in accordance to it. We live from faith, not towards it. And we go from faith to faith to faith. So we live from it, not towards it. When we live towards something, it's trust. So we're trusting in something that we're living towards as opposed to faith lives from because faith knows and sees. Now we are called to live a life of faith, this great faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't say we are called to live a life of trust in Jesus Christ. Now I need you to hear what I'm saying here and what I'm not saying, right? Because it's important you hear me correctly. I'm not saying that we don't trust in Jesus Christ. Of course we do. This is very clear from the scriptures. Don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord, right? What I'm saying is that great faith in Jesus Christ, the kind of faith that Abraham had, is to be the goal for every follower to come into and live from. While this is being formed in us through the hearing of his word, through the Spirit's power, we are to trust in what he says and live in accordance to it. So we need trust, but the more faith you have in God, the less trust you need because you know. When you don't know, you need to trust in what he's saying because you don't yet know it. So they work in tandem and they work hand in hand. They're like a brother and a sister, but they're different. Great faith knows that God always provides for what he calls us into or what he calls us to do. Now, let me say that again. Great faith knows that God always provides for what he calls us into and what he calls us to do. That's why we can have no excuses because Abraham knew it. God will provide the sacrifice for what he's calling me to do. And so in that confidence and that assurance and that conviction, he moved forward with his son. Powerful. Abraham knowing that God would provide the lamb is evidence of his great faith. And in the next resource, we're going to look at two other evidence that Abraham had great faith, which empowered his ability to demonstrate the righteousness that he does. So the great faith, And the offering of his son was the evidence and what he knew was the evidence of seeing into the unseen and living in accordance to it. And we're going to look at two other evidences that Abraham had that empowered this behavior. Because as I've said, it's not us trying to. A lot of people go, oh my goodness, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. I couldn't trust in God. No, but Abraham had great faith. So it wasn't about trusting in God. Abraham had great faith, which means he was able to live and demonstrate quickly and immediately what God was asking. There wasn't any delay and there wasn't any doubt because he had great faith. And so what you're looking at is righteousness lived out. So questions. Why is great faith so powerful to be able to live out a life of righteousness? Why is faith and trust not the same thing? How do faith and trust work together? Why is living from faith and not towards it so different? And what has challenged you the most through going through this resource and why about great faith? Look forward to seeing you soon for part five.